The following program is an abridged audio version of the streaming video talk show, A Wonderful Chaos. The hosts are Andy Chaliff and Bambos Dimitriou. The format is entirely casual, unscripted conversation. If you'd like to watch a live taping or participate with your comments in real time, subscribe to A Wonderful Chaos on YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, or Twitch. The primary formula of comedy is pain plus truth equals humor. We need places to share what's most vulnerable in place where we receive unconditional positive regard. And if things come up that need repair, we have an agreement as well that we'll go there and we'll repair it. It's a wonderful chaos. Solo or tandem? We work to find rest and fight to find peace. Both head and the heart. Fighting with you and me. What are we doing here? You mean listening to this show? Where the more that you learn is the less that you know. Where the wounded are healers. And the atheist pray? It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. It's a wonderful chaos and we like it that way. Today, we have Karen Lee on. Karen Lee has been on the show once before. Uh, it was dealing, or I don't exactly remember the title of the show. It was uh, Surviving an Open Marriage was the title. It was one of our most viewed shows. I strongly suggest going back to watching the video. It's also been edited for the podcast version. So either way, it's well worth listening to. It was very fun. Uh, and I'm sure we'll touch upon some of that also today. And uh, I spoke to her a few weeks ago and we had a talk and the talk was something hit me was that she decided at 50 years old to turn her life or at least parts of her life into a stand-up comedy routine. And when she did that, I had a moment in my stomach that was like, it's sort of the dream I've always had to do that. But it was like, wow, I would really need to practice to be comfortable enough to do something like that on the platform that she decided to do it. And so when I saw that Karen had taken this risk, it was it really touched me because it it dawned on me, wow, she's doing that thing that I often see myself doing is saying, where do I feel an edge? Where do I feel like if I did this, it is not in my comfort zone. And yet I'm called to take this risk. And, you know, there's safe risks and then there's risks that go further and further from the that safe harbor when you're at the sea and you're like, this could go really fucking bad. And I think the older one gets, the older you're like, you know what, whatever I think really fucking bad is, it's never that bad. So in a way, I really felt a deep admiration when she took this step and said, I'm going to take and make a stand-up routine and let everyone view it. And especially, and you got to think to yourself, if you're doing this out in the Zoom land, the interactions, it's already so damn hard to do anything in Zoom and get responses. So if you're going to do comedy on Zoom, multiply the challenge by 10, and that's what she took on as a challenge. So, Karen, you turned 50. You're getting old, right? And and like life is coming to a it's 
its inevitable demise. So what brings you to like spend the last years of your life turning your life into a comedy? Well, I, I was super inspired. I've been working at it for a long time. I did an online class with this fantastic woman comedian, Alicia Datner. And, and I intended to perform at my 48th birthday, but I just didn't have it together. So by 50, I signed up for a um, community college stand-up class. And then it uh, got canceled because of COVID. But <clears throat> we had the opportunity to hire the teacher for some private 15-minute Zoom sessions. So in those little coaching sessions, my life was, I can't say it was wonderful. It was total chaos in the early times of COVID and all of that. And so at my 50th birthday, I just got up and did something very <clears throat> unpolished. That was before I even had the class. But my friends were so flipping awesome. And I had one friend who said that was the best birthday party I've ever been to. And mm. so despite like all the chaos that was going on <clears throat> at that time in my life, I was so encouraged by my friends, you know, mm. and so I went for it. And then I had an opportunity to perform for all women and that was more comfortable <laughs> than, than today so <laughs> which brings me to my next question <laughs> request uh can you give us an example of 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 a story you you at least you feel comfortable sharing with us because well i did um as as you guys know i feel so held and safe in your lovely presence. And even though I know this is going to be eventually be a podcast and anyone in my life could potentially <laughs> look for it. I do have my little costume props here. And if you're all open to it, very I open. <laughs> okay. We've got Karen Lee that's on and we're going to bring her on and she's going to share part of the routine and then we're going to... Uh, In three, and, uh, two, <laughs> one. Don't do that. That's terrible. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm really grateful my parents sent me to Sunday school every Sunday because now my best client pays me the big bucks to fulfill his missionary fetish. I learned the power of my pussy really early on watching TV with my little brother. I would assume the position, sidle up, open my legs wide, pull a big belly full of air into my pussy and queef it out. He gave me the remote control just like that. 
So, you know, I got really lucky when my parents sent me to a Baptist school right after they got divorced because I had Bible class every day of the week and Sunday school. And so during the Old Testament, I would write the name of the boy that I was really in love with on every page of those crinkly pages of the Bible. There were a lot of pages. And it really helped me pay attention. I would squeeze those little girl legs together under the table and imagine what he might Deuteronomy, him giving me a really nice Leviticus. And I knew he would Exodus before he knocked me up. <laughs> well, we get to the New Testament. And I was a little confused because Jesus hung around with 12 disciples. I had an illustrated Bible. And, you know, there was this beautiful picture of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus and all this light. And, and then I get to the Romans and they're all wearing shorter skirts than I'm allowed to wear. And I'm kind of looking at the picture in my Bible, you know, they barely covered their cheeks. Anyway, um, so imagine my relief when it really, really sunk in that Jesus loves Mary Magdalene. And we all know what her chosen career was. So from that day on, I knew what I was going to be when I grew up. So <clears throat> now a word from our sponsor, because I don't want you to worry about my little brother. He's happily married to a gay man. <laughs> and he's had, I'm so grateful for the Queefs Are Us organization. They're empowering pussies around the world. And they even started the best PTQD rehab in the world. So my brother has been to post-traumatic queef disorder rehab three times. He's now happily married to a gay man. And we talked about the trauma as a child. And so I'm not allowed to watch TV with my niece and nephew. You know, we make trade-offs in life. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh. Bravo. Oh, my God. Yeah, I see when you said I could share all this and let this be out in the world. You could imagine that anyone who holds tightly to that Bible is not going to be happy to hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, you know what I love about the set? When you're telling this, in a way, you're really healing from all of the the nonsense that you had to deal with as a kid. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the primary formula of comedy is pain plus truth equals humor. And uh, I, I didn't even realize that you had gone to a course or at least hired someone to help you come up with your own set. So what was it that you got out of those those sessions that you were said, oh, this help me better understand how I do my own set. 
She was really fantastic. Chelsea Pierce. She's been practicing for a long time. So she knew what was funny and what wasn't. And, Mm -hmm. and it took many forms, you know, at the beginning it was during COVID and I was like, dealing with spiders and letting them live in my space. And she's like, Oh, pet spiders. That's kind of funny. And, Uh but, but it developed. And then when we hit this vein, then it was just like, that's what you got to do. And even working on comedy with a different teacher earlier online, it was very different because I didn't hire her to help me personally. Um, She, said, you know, do where you don't want to go. And that's yeah. the place. And I heard in that time, like, mm. go to the sex stuff. And, the, you know, mm. but it's like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds so beautiful. Go where you don't want to go. Because to be honest with you, when I write, I write where I don't want to go. And ironically enough, at one of the church services I went to with my family um, that I used to like going to church. I learned so much from sermons and things, and it was about being unoffendable. And that was the sermon. And I took that away and it was so, I I've kept it and I'll even sing the song. Um, Unoffendable in every way. Unoffendable. I'm yeah. here to say. Yeah. <laughs> Bambos and I, of course, by doing this show, we allow ourselves to be so out there sharing such vulnerable stuff that we have to be able to laugh at it. Because if we didn't laugh, we would be we'd be crying all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter yeah. and Tears are both such cathartic, beautiful human expressions and releases. So, yeah, just the things that we hide, just going to the company and everyone confiding in me, like unmasking themselves. I'm like, wow, if and of course, I don't impose this, but in my mind it's like, wow, if everyone just sat on the table instead of talking about what they're going to do in the next half year, they just shared how they're actually feeling mm. and which archetype they're they're trying to embody as opposed to who they really are. Mm. It just blows my mind where they could be. Like the things that we hide out of shame. Yeah. 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 We, ac- we actually make ourselves smaller without knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's it right there. We could just, and yeah, probably no matter how many times you say that, the best thing that we can do is exactly what you're doing is just to reveal yourself yeah, and model it. Yeah. You know, Bambos on yesterday's show shared his first sexual experience. It was really bad. <laughs> and and at, in retrospect, now think listening to our discussion, that would be something you tell in a comedy skit. Yeah. Yeah. You could make a really good comedy skit. Yeah. Out of that. And And I teach, you know, creative alchemy for that reason, too, because we need places to share what's most vulnerable in Mm. a place where we receive unconditional positive regard. Yeah. And if things come up that need repair, 
we have an agreement as well that we'll go there and we'll mm -hmm. repair it. And I know, you know, Andy and I were talking before the show about one of our dear friends and the pain that came through with the misunderstanding of something in his last book. And mm. to have an agreement with people ahead of time that if feelings get hurt, there's going to be a repair process is another mm. way to encourage everybody to, mm. to show up and be real. And yeah. And I think that's where friendships are, are forged because what happens is the mistakes are made and then how do you meet each other in it? And then do you see the intention or do you interpret? And, and that's where, at least in this other case, I was able to create connection again. Nice. And that's where real friendship, because I, I always think friendships out of convenience are also easy to make because you've got no challenge to overcome. It's when things come up that you really get to see if you're, you know, if you can weather that and become closer. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. laughing. I'm laughing because last week, a friend of mine was judging me for not making time for a dinner she's trying to organize. And, and instead of asking her what's behind that, she just leaves this WhatsApp group that we had. So I messaged her, uh, like, fuck you and your judgments, you blind bitch. <laughs> 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 and, 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 and then she res and then she responded in a way which was like we have nothing more to talk about it and it sat in my stomach like okay it felt good and now i don't want to leave it like yeah. this so yeah. i messaged i'm like hey listen when you called me i was in a little bit of a panic attack and and feeling the judgment which was not being named i i just didn't feel loved and cared for in that moment mm. and and looking back how i responded I just see how much pain I was in. Mm. And then she responded really beautifully and she even signed it, blind bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. That's a good one. Have, have, you, have you actually stood on a stage? Well, at my own um, mm. birthday party, mm. I had a stage. I actually love performing. I... It's something from a kid that I just love doing it. I used to stand on the stage. I used to make a stage in my home, my, the first home that I lived in, in Orange County, had like a sunken living room. So it was just a little step up. And that was my stage. And I used markers and I lip sunk to Donnie and Marie's. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll. Mm. <laughs> I had a mic for each of the parts. <laughs> That's a reference you don't know, I don't think, do you? Oh, probably not. Yeah. No, it's very American. Yeah. There we were should, I've said it to Ronnie often. She doesn't know what I'm talking about. What right, right. Yeah. We should do a wonderful chaos on stage live. I think we should. Of course we will. When when we can. I mean, and I was we'll seated for my little bit right now, too. I wasn't standing. No, but when so when you so you, you have these courses and this teacher kind of guides you. I asked the question. I didn't feel like I got a really clear no. answer of what you really learned from it. Like, what is the thing that you took away that now, oh, I understand a bit more comedy. Was there something in there that you were like, oh, now I understand how it works? Or was it go to the place that's most least, com like she helped me find what's the least comfortable thing for me to address. And now I'm going to run with it. Was that kind of the journey you took? Well, and, and really about brevity. <clears throat> because I have a tendency and I noticed it even here. I took a little bit of Liberty and 
expanded, it's not as funny. People really, they don't want you to go on and on. So the nugget was like, get to the fricking punchline. Yeah. Because that's the other, the flip side of being comfortable is that that's where my editing process and because I'm like, but it's not funny. Yeah. Got Mm. it. Yeah. I think that's with everything, isn't it? Because it's almost like someone says a joke and then they have to explain it. You're like, okay, it wasn't funny if you have to explain it. Like, right. you, you know, I either get it or I don't get it. But once you <laughs> once you explain it, it's long gone. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, I tested out one that I didn't share today with a room full of teenage boys with my sons. And they were just like, but mom, to be to do stand up, you have to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think it was funny at all. Yeah, and but I, can you do you think any child will say to their mother that their 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 stand-up routine is, you know, like, you know, like the the stand-up routine, the most funny one is going to talk about your relationship with your kids, right? You know, yeah, I mean, I go there later. Well, <laughs> not as much with my kids specifically, but with their yeah. dad. So <laughs> <laughs> I want I want to see you on America's Got Talent now. Yes. Do they do comedy on there? Uh, yeah, they do. They have some comics on there for sure. Oh, okay. So th- there's no competition. <laughs> yeah. You you phrased that one term when you came on last time, which was perfect, was my husband. Yeah. That was, the, that was oh. the perfect term that I had never heard before, my husband. I didn't get that. That was my, my Bajan. I, I actually have a platonic wife, and she's from... Barbados in the oh, Caribbean, yeah? and she came up with that. So, oh, fantastic! When um when you do the comedy, clearly it's edgy, and you're going to be you know discussing topics which can trigger people. I'm sure in your family and mm. in your your closer and your kids, and even if your parents are watching. So, how does it feel to do it, knowing that oh, they may not get this, or they may be triggered by it? Well. As of now, I'm really kind of over that. And and the thing that's most interesting, Andy, is the more over it I am, the better relationship I've been having with everyone. Somehow, like deep down, everyone wants us to be authentic Mm. because it gives so much permission. And... I think everyone deep down feels so much safer with someone who's telling the truth or Mm. making fun about things than walking around pretending that a bunch of things aren't happening. So, and I don't, you know, I used to tell on myself sometimes and I've kind of learned to just not have certain conversations with certain people. Yeah. Not because it's I'm hiding something, but just because it doesn't. No, no, I got it. Why, why, why would you add something? I understand completely. Why would you add something that isn't going to be supportive of a contact with? It's like, you're doing it for you then not for the relationship or for the other person. You know, we've been discussing this a lot on the show as well. I mean, I used to resent that and now 
my, my life is set up in such a way where I get to be authentic all the time. And then um, it can just, and I'm even authentic with my family, but I wouldn't say, Hey, yeah. I'm going to do my stand up routine for the family Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but I mean, so there's no issue that's come up for you. I mean, in the sense you you're over it and you're going to do it regardless, even if you weren't over it, I'm sure you'd still do it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because they honestly, they just don't pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's Karen. I think that's the best thing exactly. in life. In life. When you've gotten to that point, there's so much freedom when someone says, and, and that happened to me a long time ago because when I was left America, like everyone's like, oh, it's just Andy being Andy. And as soon as you get to the point where everyone's so dismissive of whatever you're, you're doing, just because you're doing whatever it is they don't understand, you can you have a lot of liberty then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's so much fun to be where I'm at in life. I mean, I look at my teenage boys and, you know, they're just normal growing well with all the abnormal things of life now. Yeah. But as far as their self-esteem and wanting to be in their peer group and not have a yeah. weird mom or this or that, I mean, that's just so normal. Yeah. Did they, did they, uh, have they introduced you to any of their girlfriends yet? I met them, but as far as I know, they're not, neither one of them really has a girlfriend now. Okay. They're, so, not say, they're not saying, mom, when I bring her over, don't talk about these three things. Do, do no, they, uh, actually, I've connected with their friends. They nice. they mostly hang out with guys. Okay, great. But, um, yeah. Bola Long asks a question, which I have no clue what he's trying to say. He's trying and, to be funny. And, it, and, and I'm kind of wondering if, if it's speaking to his sexual prowess or not. <laughs> Why women don't like it when men go straight to the punchline during sex? Bulalang, <laughs> stay away from humor. Bulalang, <laughs> yes. You got to revise that one. You, we need to make it more abridged so that it's uh, so that because if I need to try to make sense of this one, we got trouble. I know. I mean, the way I'm well, interpreting that. Uh, no, it was it was when the Car- Karen was sharing about um, making it too long, like get straight to right, the right. Oh right. yeah, yeah. That's the opposite during sex. I'll just say that much. <laughs> Take it slow. Take it slow. And uh, slow. Um, don't I, even I, think about your finish line. <laughs> if that's what that was referring to. <laughs> there, there, there was a time in my life, Karen, where social norms were not something I was really aware of or even like. What do you mean a time in your life? <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> if we're laughing, it means I'm still there. Um, <laughs> So I'm I'm in Cyprus sitting with my family and my sister's daughter, mm. her her partner and his family, and we're having a little gathering and like they, you know it's serious between them that she's pregnant now and so forth, and I'm sitting there bored like we're talking the men are making jokes and I'm not really getting the humor, so then I intervened. And this was like the highlight of the evening. And I talked about how dildos ended up in my ass. And <laughs> my mother left the room. <laughs> this was really uh, like a movie scene. <laughs> and of Here's course, my I- microphone right here. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> dramatic. <laughs> my, 
Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit too small. But... <laughs> so, so, so I remember in, while I was sharing this experience, halfway in, I realized, shit, this is a really bad idea. <laughs> have, have you had the most? Mothers just don't want to know. <laughs> well, actually, no, no one wanted to know this. <laughs> yeah. Although. I have to say in one of my relationships, um, when that man shared about his practices with that, it was really, it was like, I felt so close to him because it was very mm. like tender. And so in a certain context, perhaps not at the family table, you know, but with, you nailed it. <laughs> with someone you are intimate with and sharing sex, that could be just such a deep, beautiful mm. thing, way to connect with someone. Well, this was just a funny story. I wouldn't call it vulnerable. It was just hilarious. <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. going to have to share it on the embarrassing moments. <laughs> you know what I find brilliant about humor is that when humor is done really well, it's like a shared idea that everyone has had, but no one said it out loud. That is part of it. And another really a nugget that I got in the class is it really is important that you look for universal themes. Mm. And so even <laughs> my, my Bajan wife, she didn't know what a queef was. And so I have to be sure if I tell that joke that people mm. get it's a pussy fart, you know? <laughs> <laughs> So, but that would be even funnier to even add that to the routine to say, just in case you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> pussy I pussy farted on my brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's another important one. And even using the books of the Bible. I mean, that's assuming that people know the books of the Bible. Yeah. Right. And so there's always some cultural, some context yeah um karen what would you say has been the biggest healing you've experienced through using comedy hmm. like did it help you overcome something that you couldn't so easily laugh at the whole double life playing up these parts now as empowering as opposed hmm. to um disempowering and painful because I've always been me, but I used to sneak around. And so the way that I set this up is, is that this is something to aspire to and that, you know, my chosen career is my chosen career and I'm really good at it. And now I teach others and, you know, <laughs> go into mm. Sunday schools and teach the Bible in the way it's meant to be taught. Mary Magdalene all the way. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's very healing to sort of own that these things that were painful to be good at mm. as a kid. Now it's like, yeah, and I teach other people how to get good at it and command their their big bucks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's really inspiring to hear you speak. I, I actually just got a flash 
um, I used to host connection games. And sometimes people have to share something that they're suffering. Mm. But to make it less heavy, they had to sing it in a, if, if you were a guy in a girl's voice, if you're a girl in a man's voice, or, or be a five-year-old and sing it. So in the end, you, you had the most traumatic story, but you couldn't keep a straight face. Mm. That's so, brilliant. I got to write that down for Creative Alchemy. That sounds like I, I have a book of games from Authentic Connection, and, yeah. and there are some... Mm. That one is really good. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Got to write it down. Well, I'll probably mm. remember it. But singing <clears throat> in the opposite gender voice about something really traumatic. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Do you have a good falsetto? <laughs> I, th- I think me and Andy also had to do to something like down. this. Uh, yeah, we had a show. show. We had a show once when we did this. We had a, a, a friend of ours come on and force us to Jeff Lieberman. For anyone that wants to see that episode, it's uh, uh I don't know remember edgy. I play, I play edgy games. I play edgy games. We did I edgy games edgy with games. that was with Jeff Lieberman. Yeah, wow. he's a he's a king. Um, you know the one thing that I find interesting is that we both share is that the religious church really took away all those years where we could have just enjoyed sex and not felt shame about it. (laughs) Yeah. One of my embarrassing moments too, was getting caught with my boyfriend in high school. (laughs) I mean, I thought my parents were away for the whole afternoon. It was during the day. Right. And they come home and I think it was a Sunday afternoon and they had been at church and then they were, um, I thought they went to a matinee, a movie or something. And they, they came home and I literally ran in the backyard and my boyfriend went and talked to them, but it was very traumatizing for a long time. I even had a recent dream where something similar Mm -hmm happened and i was so confused i was like wow this is still deep in my subconscious as a trauma i mean the situation was different of course in the dream Mm. but because the person that i had been having sex with in the dream wasn't even someone i wanted to have sex with (laughs) really complicated and then my stepdad came home from from this is the dream came home from church in his choir robe and we were like cleaning up (laughs) I was thinking, this is so not worth it. <laughs> so, so just help me on this story. So you jump out the window to get out of the house? I had a sliding glass door in my room. That's okay. how I always snuck out. And and did yeah, they, were they? I don't think they listened to these, but they have no idea what I was really doing. No, no. But did, how was the reaction from them? Were did they, they know? Did they they, well, they, they, they realized what was going on. Um, the, I don't know. I mean, it was so long ago. I don't know. But then they were having this whole serious discussion with my boyfriend who was in college. I was a sophomore in high school. I remember this. Yeah, you were going out with the older men. Yes. <laughs> um, and... You know, he went and talked to them. And then I had all these new rules, like no boys in my room. 
they wouldn't get a they wouldn't get a camper shell on the little pickup that I drove because that would just be an invitation for teenagers to fornicate and be comfortable. So they know that we uh, might, but we shouldn't be comfortable. Oh in, yeah, it was my 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 mom at some point gave up on it and allowed me to sleep with my girlfriend in the house. Like oh, wow. she's like. She just is like Andy, you know. She gave him condoms. She just use a condom and you know be you know be cautious, you know take take care. So yeah, so you know I won't name names, but yeah, we we ha- we just slept together and it was just very normal, right? It was just very right. normal. Yeah. yeah, and now things are so different. I mean, my sons had sex ed in school where they teach them to put condoms on dildos and things. I mean, wow. it's very hands on. Sex ed at Baptist school was abstinence pretty much i mean there was a little bit of maybe reproductive information yeah yeah i think i remember at my my catholic grade school there was um there was that you know i always like whenever when i go into comedy then i always want to pull from the absurdity that we can't talk about sex, but the priest is molesting the students. So isn't this kind of, you know, like the absurdity is that we live in this world where we say, and we're not allowed to talk about that. Like, you know, that all that is unacceptable. This is just, you know, the molesting of kids. We can't talk, but the fact that you can't have or do any of these things is, uh, you know, I remembered my first (laughs) girlfriend in, uh, in grade school is that they showed us in a very young age, so many, um, disease-related uh, videos, <laughs> so so you can catch all these diseases from from Intercourse. sex. And I'm I don't know. I was sixth, seventh grade. I don't know, but it was it was young. So now all I know is I've been scared shitless that I'm gonna like. <laughs> so like I we're, I can't kiss her because I'm worried if I kiss her I catch a disease. So all I do is touch her boobs all the time because that was the only thing that I felt was safe because I can wash my hands afterwards and I'll survive this, you know? Like that was the kind of trauma that they were like putting into well, this Well, now system. we get COVID, Andy. touching Yeah, that was the wow. absurdity of living oh in those times. Gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. We didn't even yeah. get sex education in Cyprus. You'd, I'm sure you didn't get sex education we in Cyprus. We didn't get sex education in Cyprus. No. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, there's just so many. And now I wonder, too, with the internet and all of the things kids can just find and explore, that presents, like, this whole reverse and that's a whole other conversation. It's like, what if you learn to have sex from porn? That's not sex either. You know what I mean? There's, there's just like, We're like take out the take out the what if, and then like let's state the fact. Right? You've got all the kids. Tell someone they can't access something. You know they're there. Like right. whatever you can't have. So they're learning everything. Uh, in these films, which clearly have nothing to do with the reality that they're going to be going into. Right. And there is some progressive porn now that's more conscious about that. But, you know, the mainstream stuff is just. But can you give me some can you give me some uh, URLs, please? <laughs> I, I can send you. There's there's a woman, she was really interesting that she actually asks real couples to send in their 
videos and it's called yeah. make love not porn and they're, oh, they're beautiful really interesting movements around that and women mm-hmm. pro women porn where you know women are actually having orgasms as opposed to just faking it and yeah doing it for the and, t- and taking their time there yeah, we had we had we had one of our guests early on was Phyllis Serene, and you know she was she worked as a missionary and then and then she worked as a dominatrix and then she sort of evolved into like strongly against the feminist movement in the end. But but the the one thing that was really fascinating is that she was hired by people to watch them have sex, huh, and she yeah. just she just watched them have sex and then sort of you know evaluate coach share things that, that she noticed it was quite a quite interesting to hear that that's actually something you would get paid for that sounds like fun really yeah. cool work i mean Doesn't it? It, would, it would require so much trust on so many levels yeah yeah that's it sounds like a great job. Yeah, I thought it was. I loved it when she shared it. There, Bolalong asks again: Should the comedian laugh at their joke or not? I find the serious comedians really funny when their jokes are good. I um, I think most com- comedians don't laugh at their jokes. That that really breaks the, especially. It's good for me to stay in that serious character and. And if I do start laughing, I really try to pull myself back because then I'm, I'm joining the audience in some way, but, but really in my case and everyone's different. I mean, I think about someone like Jim Carrey, who's just so off the wall a lot of the time and he's making, but um, he's not really laughing at his own jokes. Although sometimes, so yeah, the, Short version is usually not. I, I think one of the people that came to my mind when I saw that comment was Jerry Seinfeld, because I, I, he was infamous to be a horrible actor uh, because he would just kind of do his thing and and like and break character even in the show, laugh at the things he was saying, which is just funny to see that you know if, if someone has their way of doing it, they can get away with it. Of course, if it's their uh, if it's their type of comedy. Yeah. Well, and that is a form of comedy. You know, all the the outtakes of the Seinfeld Seinfeld cast where they crack up and, you know, they couldn't go on with the scene because they're having so much fun together and they are laughing all the time. And those are very fun to watch. um, Yeah. So I guess context is king. You know, I developed a character where we're all laughing together, then that could. Work. Yeah. I saw that one of evolution of the creator, I think of Seinfeld. I don't know if you know what was Seinfeld, but the, he went on to do curb your enthusiasm. It was a oh. Sa- S- Sanders. I don't know what the name of the guys was now, but the humor was, was that you could watch those two shows and see that basically there was a very similar humor that they just sort of took over and just put into another generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Larry yeah. Sanders, I think the name was. Yeah. What was the name of the movie that we did a presentation with? The best movie ever. <laughs> you say that with such fervent <laughs> belief that that's true, don't you, Bambos? Yes. Uh, we we I don't know if you saw. We did a show on the move movie being there, and uh, oh, we did such a good movie. Oh my god! <laughs> and no, it's not. We spent an hour. You hated it. <laughs> 
No, I liked it, but I wouldn't say it's the best movie. But uh, for Andy's reasons, I agree. We did it as, as it was an hour long breakdown of how this movie was so humorous in light of spirituality, projection work where people project and then have a belief that then gets verified because everything they hear now is in light of a prior belief they have. So we just looked at it in through that lens and, and saw that it was humorous, but it was also much deeper. It's it spoke to a much deeper theme uh, in in just in humanity that we're often not really paying attention to. And, and, and apparently the actors had a hard time keeping a straight face, yeah. even though it was meant to be totally straight. In fact, I think a lot, one of the jokes was you went through the movie, not even realize you were watching a comedy because it was so serious, you had to figure out that this is actually a comedy. It isn't a drama. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've only seen it once, but it was very provocative. Mm. For so sure. If, uh, if you were to say, like, where you want to go further with the comedy or if there are any other areas you'd like to explore do you have those or what's your next step in this whole uh in this whole game or the- well like i was saying before we came on you know i have i have i'm practicing i have these jokes and cards um and it's a whole process so i do want to expand the set that was i wrapped it up differently in the part that you saw but i want to save that so if anyone that hears this is curious. I don't want to give away some of my very best things, but I'm, um, I would love to have maybe a 20 minute super tight, um, offering. And then I do have a friend who said they would send a demo to some people who actually look for new, um, new routines in Los Angeles. I'm totally open to where it wants to take me. I mean, it is a process Mm -hmm. and I like all the things, all my creative projects, I sort of pick it up and work on it a little bit. And then I set it down and I work on another thing. And I have lots of creative projects in Mm -hmm. the works, but I have fun with it. And I like the editing process. It's yeah. a very it that part appeals to the intellect and the sort of it works with different parts of the brain. Mm. I would love to see some routine around the open open marriage thing. Oh, yeah. I think there would be so much humor in that based on the last show we did. Just, Woo! <laughs> I'm still um Yeah, that's my current boyfriend thinks so too, but I <laughs> <laughs> I can send you over some things that I think they'd be funny if you'd say. So we can start okay. there. You can decide what you want to do with it. You know, I coach on that one, Andy. Um, did you ever trigger someone to the point where, mm. you know, you'd, you'd get an angry email or a call or silent treatment? Mm. Well, yeah, my last partner. <laughs> <laughs> that was, with, that was with, a regular thing in our in our relationship, <laughs> but not because of the but because of the comedy. No, and you know I think that was a big reason that I didn't do it when I was in relationship with him. He, he wasn't at that fiftieth birthday party. Um, he he didn't think anything was funny. 
Um, <laughs> he didn't have he didn't have a sense of humor about the the, the worst part of my life, and you're trying to make humor out of it. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, so I'm assuming so, it never happened then. I haven't. Uh. Uh-uh. Not yet. I mean, I assume the groups you're going to, people already have, a, you know, you're already in some contact with them, so it's hard to defend them. I guarantee you, if you went to a church service and gave the same right. the same thing, right. you would get some hate mail afterwards. Right. And and my friends, That's the smile um, of yours. <laughs> I would do it. Shin, um, even for that women's group that's that's very progressive, mm. she got a sad face at some point. But so far, no. But but I look forward to that because that means that I've actually hit some kind of critical mass. I remember different coaches and people that I've worked with. They're like, when you start getting the hate mail, you know that you've made an impact. Because that means there's enough. There's like enough people paying attention that it actually offended someone. So mm. then I would know I'd actually made it. <laughs> we got a way, a way to go, Bambos. Well, I think we should do a show on of, of being offended. Yeah, uh, our criticism. Oh, yeah. I want to your criticism. I like no, your. No, I, li- I like the word offended. Okay. Um, have you been tr- like on your journey of? learning these skills have you been triggered to the point like diving into the dark side of dark night of the soul (laughs) Hmm. i just routinely go there (laughs) that's just who i am i'm so grateful recently that even things i don't know was it six months ago when we talked last that were still very very tender for me Hmm feel like they're healing and Mm. now you know i ride my emotional wave but it's it's a very gentle wave it's like the tsunami (laughs) Um, so gratefully Mm. at this point i i am grateful that that i don't experience that panicky triggered freak out Mm. space Mm, beautiful yeah or the despair i think the last frontier of it was this sense that there was just this bottomless despair and Mm. i couldn't even get to the root of it and it doesn't really come forth. And mm. and it, a teacher of mine suggested, you know, so much of our experience happens from what we identify with. So mm. if I identify as this or that, then I can feel despair because I'm not living up to some identity that I've attach myself to. And this teacher, Matt Kahn, he just said, what if you just identify as the light? Mm-hmm. And if you identify as light and something that can't be harmed and can't be um, diminished and whatnot, 
it's pretty remarkable. And you know, deep down that everyone else is eternal as well. So mm. we're going to grieve losses. We're going to have human experiences. And I believe it's important not to bypass. And when feelings and when big things come up, I hold big space for that. Mm. And yet, and I still have things come up, but they come up and they don't take me out anymore because yeah. my life is supportive of me. Mm. Finally, <laughs> I finally yeah. got myself into a really healthy, generative relationship and and space in my life where, yeah, I don't identify with the things that would take me completely under. Yeah, I, I know we're over an hour, but I want to ask you one more question. Sure. When when did you get the insight that this will be a path for healing? Because I can imagine when you were Comedy? forty. Yeah, I can imagine when you were forty or thirty, you weren't so easily laughing at yourself. Mm. I've always had this sort of maverick inside me that could see the humor. I mean, even when I was going through the devastation of when my mm. sons were taken from me when I was three and five and, and my now husband was trying to prove that I was an unfit mother and all this. I mean, it was so incredibly painful. I knew at some point I would get to the humor I mean, not too, too long after. And then I reconciled with him for five years and, you know, um, but mm. I've always been able to see like that other side of most of my self-seriousness. I mean, sometimes it takes me under, but there's always that point. We, we need that, right? You can take yourself so seriously. You know, you're going to yeah. take yourself more seriously than anyone else. Most people are not even paying attention to us. They're they're stuck in their own process. Yeah, seriousness. <sighs> yeah. Nice. Uh, like, come to think about mm. of the work that you do, right? Like, whatever statement you have, and it's fucking great, in a way... It is funny to say that. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we're, I think, you know, we're, we're talking about humor. And I, I look at humor as a broad topic for me because I see it's the laughter and the pain, which are so connected. And, and if you fall too much to the laughter, then you would say in your language earlier, you're spiritually bypassing a little bit. You're saying, hey, Let's laugh at this because if I laugh at it, I don't have to really feel the pain. And if I go to the pain and I just wallow in it, then I'm identifying with that pain. And that makes me re it's a negative reinforcing loop. So in a weird way, it's the paradox. And that's I even wrote the word paradox when we began earlier on is that it's holding those two and the absurdity of that without falling into either one or when you do fall into it being conscious enough that it doesn't linger longer than it needs to. And then I see the, the, the beauty of it is that channeling that as you have here into comedy is this beautiful mm. outlet that shows the absurdity of it 
and then and then actually brings light to something where there might not be. Because even as you were speaking, I was seeing a whole routine in my head uh, uh, with the Virgin, you know, the whole idea of it was my brain was exploding with, oh, God, if I was going to do a routine, you know, who's the professional virgin today, you know, and then move into all of the absurdity of the fact that, you know, if you're a professional virgin, then what does that mean? What, what does a date look like? So what would a date like Mary look like? Right. You know, and, and, and then she could only go out on one or two dates because no guy would hang around long enough. Third book. <laughs> you know, it's uh, just the, <laughs> the, the whole absurdity of taking a Bible for its word seriously and then taking that and 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 bringing it into today's uh, society where then it becomes very humorous i mean all of that cuz yeah my mind goes on to explore that in the in the comic way too obviously i mean i always think i even thought to myself it, you know well i'm a virgin as long as i leave some of the holes empty then i can claim virginhood right and then yeah, i mean then, maybe maybe the the opening one should be my best client pays me the big bucks you know i was really lucky when i got sent to catholic high school with andy <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i was really lucky to go to catholic high school because my very best client you know pays me the most to to play his Virgin Mary fantasy. <laughs> you know, it's like, let's think about that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But some of those are so nuanced though, that you'd need to be in the field to understand them. Right. Cause that's where it goes. I like, I'm like, Oh yeah, my God, I know 500 of those characters that right. are looking for the Virgin Mary over and over again. And then they can't go out with her if they think that she slept with two or three guys. Right. Right. You mean <laughs> you slept with other men? Yeah, exactly. How could you? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I think it was a Tarantino movie where he says in the quiet words of the Virgin Mary, come again. <laughs> <laughs> um and your your uh your high school swim coach <laughs> from that from that Catholic high school, you can see he's got his hand on his chin wondering what the hell is going on here. <laughs> JC, thank you for joining us for the hour. And we're going to see you again tomorrow for another hour. <laughs> I'm sure we I hope we do. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yes. Thank you for joining us again. Um, it was really great to be with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You guys yeah. are doing good work. Love you. Bye. Bye. The shows, of course, with Karen, I always find beautiful because you know even on the shows we do it's not easy for people to meet us in some of the call it the edgier parts of where we discuss yeah and you see she'll meet us and match us and sometimes say and i'll i'll, I'll raise you you know and so and so like that's yeah. that's she, she throws a dildo in there yeah exactly <laughs> you know and you're like we 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 might have gone there but we would have thought no we don't want to make you uncomfortable you I, know i came completely unprepared <laughs> so in that way i think it's really sweet to have guests on because uh, like we said it's really hard to leave yourself so vulnerable to the world because there's a lot of judgment as we discussed in in yesterday's podcast and yeah, so thank God we have these beautiful souls like Karen out there that are creating chaos for us to enjoy with them. It's a wonderful chaos. We like it down.